this scripture that we're fixing to look at, but um, um, there's just no substitute for, for his presence, his, his care on us, his expression of care towards us as we take time to just bask in it and receive it. Um, I know that uh, Evangel has been seeking God and just praying and believing God for a lot, and we'll just continue to do that, praying for Brother Jerry's healing and recovery, praying for others who, have, who are battling the COVID virus. And, uh, um, uh, and then not just mention all that, just there's so many other elements. And it's like uh, there comes a point where you say, you know what, God, I, I, it's more than I can name. I'm just trusting you. I'm just leaning into you. I'm gonna, I, need, I need your presence on me. I need your, your presence to, to feel me, to flow through me, I totally trust you and commit my way to you. Just those kind of prayers just begin to pour out of us as a church, and I know that's happening in you, and uh, I know that God hears you, and he's answering those prayers. So we're thankful for that, even in our service this morning, just the sense of his presence is priceless. It's, it's, it's just no words to express it, right? So today we're going to talk, we're going to look at in the scriptures, uh, the fact that there's some really strange stuff going on uh, these days in the world around us, and whether so, so what I'm after today is talk to you about what I like to call faith to follow. Okay, um, there's there whether it's the challenge to live out our faith in front of the people that we're in contact with, and that we're communicating with, and that we're living around, especially our family, because you know family hard to live Jesus in front of. Come on, you know why? Because they know us. You know, they, they, they got us. They, 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 they see us. They've watched us. Uh, so whether it's living it out in front of all the people that we come in contact with um, day in, day out, or whether or not it's, or whether it's living it out because of the choices that we made or what we didn't make, the, you know, because choices affect us. We've just talked through that. And we've just looked at that in the scriptures. Uh, we recognize, and I want to just say this about uh, faith to follow, the challenge of faith to following God amidst all of the things that are happening around us or the choice that we made is the challenge. That, the challenge is to put our faith in God. It's to, to put our trust and faith in him and to follow him how he calls us to follow. Because everybody's been called different. Everybody has a different expression of the calling in their life and the the journey or the path that they're on. Um, uh, all of us headed to the same place, but we're all going in different directions to get there, it seems like. Amen? So no, I, what I want to say to open up with this morning is no matter what, no matter the circumstances, no matter what our circumstances are this morning, no matter how difficult the path's been, been laid out for you to follow in your life, whatever he's called you to, whatever you feel like you're in at this moment, no matter the choices you've made or you haven't made, it takes faith to follow Jesus. So we're going to look at that briefly this morning. And when I say briefly, I just want to throw out a couple of thoughts briefly. i got 45 minutes to 12 o'clock. I'm uh, pretty excited. Uh, uh, don't give a Pentecostal preacher 45 minutes, brother. He'll take 50. Okay, so, so no matter uh, it, the circumstances, it takes faith. So wh what I want to say about that, I'm going to give you some people, if I can, because we, we look at following Christ and we think in terms of, oh, 
I, I, it mirrors me. When I look at Jesus, I, I get this mirrored reflection, and it's most of the time a mess, okay? And so when I see myself looking at Jesus, I got issues. And, and the, what I want to do is to say to you, the next time that you feel like God can't use you or he doesn't care or that you're, he's forgotten you or all those different things, I want to give you a few people to remember. All right? So I'm taking people from the scriptures. I'm going to put it in today's terms. Okay? So just bear with me. Here we go. Noah got drunk a lot. Abraham was too old, Isaac was a daydreamer, Jacob was a liar, Leah had vision problems, Joseph, according to today's language, was emotionally abused. Moses had a stuttering problem, Gideon was a scaredy cat, Samson was a long-haired womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute, Jeremiah and Timothy were too young, David had an affair and was an accomplice to murder. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah, this is the one that gets me the most. Isaiah preached naked. How do you do that? How do you even get away with that? I mean, come on, let's play, let's talk. I mean, let, I mean, here's a guy who was one of the, the prophets of God. Preach naked. I can't even, anyway. I, listen, anyway. Jonah ran from God, Naomi was a widow, Job was bankrupt, John the Baptist ate bugs, Peter denied, ate bugs, I've done that, so I can't talk bad about John the Baptist. Uh, Pete, in Ecuador, so I'm going to give you a bug story, y'all ready? So in Ecuador, the palm trees have these um, worms, it's, it's a palm worms i mean the biggest one i saw was about this big probably the size of my fingers like this as wide and tall and long the color of the palm the center of the palm okay so they were the color a yellow color and of course that is a delicacy for the natives there for all the and so we had to share one of those so they got them and we had to I mean, pop that joker in your mouth, you know. And so I'd only, I only, only half. I took half. Yeah, I passed the other half to my. <laughs> at that time, youth pastor. Here you go, buddy. <laughs> Who's now pastor of New Life Church? Anyway, so he he passed the test. Uh, <laughs> Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep on their post. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul, Jesus, Paul was way too religious. Timothy had an altar, and Lazarus was what? He is dead. <laughs> right? Okay, so we just covered, I mean, you find yourself somewhere in there. Come on. At least start with an altar. Okay. So, say this with me, enough with the excuses. Amen? Enough with the excuses. God can use you. God wants to use you. God wants to flow through you. All these had their faults. All of them had their issues, but the Lord used them because they had faith to follow. 
So there's no reason to not follow. Don't let anything in the past or anything circumstances in your life keep you from putting your faith in him and following him the direction and the way that he is calling you. So I'm going to take Mark 10. You can go to Mark 10, if you will, in your scriptures. We want to take Mark 10 and look at the guy who was called the rich young ruler. We're going to talk about him briefly this morning, and we're going to look at him in light of how this story unfolds and his call to follow, his, his faith to follow, okay? And, and we'll do this a couple of times a day. I'm going, to, I'm going to target something specific this morning, and I'll do it this evening out of this same passage. So we're going to take this one and really uh, strip it down, unpeel it like it's an onion, I guess you could say, to get to the core of some of the things I think Jesus is trying to say and express to this, this particular guy, this rich young ruler, this, this man that we find in Scripture. So it's Mark 10, verses 17 through 22. We're going to start in verse 17. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So real quick, First, in this passage, you can just hold it there. Notice this guy is respectful of who he understood Jesus to be. So he understood he had seen him or either he had heard enough about him that he identified him as a good teacher. And so he calls him out, uh, declares that. He's knelt down before him. So there's a sense of, in in this guy's mind, that there's this... this uh, this responsibility that he has to honor him, to respect him. Um, so, so what does it say about this guy? A couple of things I'll mention here. All these things that we're just mentioning right here indicate that he had a pretty good reputation, that he, 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 he'd been raised right, I guess you could say. Amen? I mean, I watch TV today, and I think, who raised those people? I mean, come on somebody who raised those yeah people i mean i asked that and i'm not even talking about the writers i'm talking about the politicians right now <laughs> anyway okay so that's a joke <laughs> so yeah man i got way off okay and his question here this this rich young ruler this guy's question is focused on what he couldn't get with what he had which was eternal life so, so think about this. The very fact that he suggested this in his question. So what's his question? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Here was what he was suggesting. Good teacher, I can't buy this with what I have. Okay, I can't get this with what I possess. So what do I have to do to inherit it? I, I, I want it. I've tried to figure out every way I could to get it, and all the things that I have won't help me to possess it. What I have to do to inherit it? So Jesus takes off. Why do you call me good? That's another discussion. We could get into that later. Jesus asks, only God is truly good. But to answer your question, and we're focused on the question here. To answer your question, you know the commandments, and so he pops off these commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone and honor your father and mother. So boom, he lays six commandments on him right there. And here's the fact, for most any person, and I'd put myself in this bunch, if I was looking for eternal life, 
and trying to figure out how to get it, and those six hit the table, I would have to hang my head and go, mm. Ain't nothing too good with those. I'm probably, as a kid, stole something. Trying to remember, but I'm sure I probably had that. I mean, testify falsely? Come on, that's hard. I mean, I ain't claiming Jesus, and I'm, I'm going out there. You must not cheat. So, so you understand what I'm saying here? Of all these, it, I, I, Jesus gives him these six commandments. These are action commandments. They're deeper than a relation. They're, they're surface. These are all, and when I say surface, these are surface commandments. These are action commandments. These aren't love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. These are just don't, don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't, don't lie. Don't cheat. Treat your mom and daddy right. Honor them. And, and so for most, they would, we would have to hang our head over it. And I love the fact that Jesus here, the word incarnate, puts the word on him. So he's popping the word on him. And, 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 and what does the guy do? Right in it, he goes, teach, teach, teach. Hold on, hold on. I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. I got this. I got this. Okay, I got this. And looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him, the scripture says. And he says, there is still one thing you haven't done. That's what he told him. There's still one thing you haven't done. So I'm not sure if this guy was doing, if he was sincere or he just had a little humble brag that he threw out here. Y'all have heard of a humble brag. That's where you say, oh my gosh, I can't believe y'all think I'm that good looking. I'm not saying that for me. I'm just saying that that's the kind of thing somebody would say, you know. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I'm not sure if he was sincere or if he had this like this humble brag come over him. But he declares that he's kept all these big six since his youth, since he was young. So he's been doing this thing, and I, I love a couple more things about this statement right here. First, it's the fact that either way. Whether it was a humble brag or he was very sincere, Jesus saw through it and felt genuine love for him. So, I mean, if it's a humble brag, Jesus probably just thought, yeah, whatever, you know. Or, or maybe he, he could see and tell, man, this guy's straight up. He's, boy, he's doing this, you know. I mean, he looks like he's done everything. Well, and what this says about Jesus is, is he knows the heart of a person, right? I mean, Jesus knows me. He knows you. He knows us. He knows what motivates the words and actions of our lives. So he understood that. And so, so Jesus, even after that statement, felt genuine love for him. And so he takes him rather than to the next four, he takes him to the one. Okay. But, but here's what I want you to understand about it. So Jesus says, there's still one thing you haven't done. Then he goes, go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. So we're going to spend time tonight on the center of this, okay, on the center of this portion right here. But what I want to do tonight, I, it's like a, there's like bookends right here, if I could give it to you that way. It's like bookends. 
Like we got this shelf and we got this row of books and there's a book in on this end, there's a book in on this end. So here's the first book in. There's still one thing you, you lack. And here's the other book in. Come, follow me. Now all this other stuff's in between there, but it would fall all to pieces if it wasn't for this is what you lack, come follow me. And if we don't get this one thing that we lack, come follow me, then all this other stuff is useless. It's, it's, it's invaluable. It's, I mean, it's, 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 it has no value. Literally, the man knew this. Why how did he know it? What's the proof that he knew it? Because he said, hey, what I have to do to inherit eternal life? Because I got everything else. But all this other stuff I got can't get me this, it sounds like, or it looks like. So what do I need to do? Okay. The second thing that becomes so clear is that he knew this guy was after what he could only find in Jesus, which is life. Jesus knew this. Jesus was so clear on this. He says, you know, go sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will find treasure in earth. Then come follow me. So there's still one thing that you haven't done, book in, come follow me, straightens it all up, shores it all up. Nothing wrong with this stuff in the middle, it's just you got you to gotta put it in its perspective, it's got to be ordered, it's got to be under, it's got to be presented. Forget all the other stuff in your life this morning, your wins, your losses, your successes, your failures, your wealth or your poverty, your possessions or your lack of them, the question really for all of us always boils down to this with Jesus. Have you decided to follow Jesus? There's still this one thing you lack. Come, follow me. The one thing that this guy lacked in life was following Jesus. He had everything else, but he hadn't he hadn't followed the message he'd heard. He wasn't following the Lordship. In other words, to sort of say it in a different way, he lacked a center of authority. He lacked a guiding principle. He had everything else, and he had been, I mean, obviously, if he had kept the honoring your father and mother, he is a pretty good guy. So if he had done all the six that were named, he had been raised pretty well, but there was still this issue for him, in him, that he knew was missing, and that's he didn't sense that he was ready for eternity. And, and to get ready, Jesus said, look, this is what you like. you got to come follow me. And the turmoil happened in him because... There, he recognized the lack of this, uh, uh, he, he, he didn't have a, he lacked a center of authority. He, he didn't have a guiding principle in his life. So I'm going to give you what I call a thought-provoking statement. So I want to I try to get you, I want to provoke your thought this morning with this statement. Concerning life, this is concerning life. We're all living life. Say, I'm, a, I'm alive. You're alive today, so you're living life. Here's a thought-provoking statement for you. No one can reign who doesn't serve. No one can reign 
be in authority who doesn't serve under authority. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you get the position of reigning, if you aren't seeing yourself as being under authority, then you're not going to be able to do it the way it should be done. You don't get it. Fair enough? This is Roman centurion, Roman, uh, uh, Luke 7, 8. Roman centurion, when addressed with this in his own life, understood this, and he said this. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And he could have went on and said, all my authority, all my superiors have to say go and I go and come and I'll come. So, so, so he, he spoke about those who were following him, but he did it out of the basis of understanding who he was following. And so for us today, anyone today, we have to understand that it doesn't matter how much authority we have, we have to be under an authority. We have, if we lack a center of authority, if we lack one that we trust in, that we honor, that we serve, then we aren't going to be able to be trusted. We aren't going to be a person of honor, and we're probably not going to lead well. True life for all of us begins when we accept we need to be governed by a king eternal and superior to ourselves, Jesus Christ. That's when, it, that's when it starts. That's when it begins. What has to happen for us to become... I'm sorry. What has to happen for this, for what we're talking about, to become a reality in our lives? What has to happen for us to get to the place that Jesus is Lord and Savior of life, that it's evident that we are, that, that we have inherited eternal life now and to come. What has to happen for this to become a reality, evident in our life? Okay, you ready? I'm going to grab a little piece out of that center portion of that scripture. Sell. Sell out. Sell out to the Lordship of Christ, his word for your life. Sell out. Sell. Sell out. Sell out to following Christ with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Sell out. Sell. Watch this. The last, verse 22, I believe it is, in Luke and Mark 10. At this, the man's faith failed. And he went away sad, for he had many possessions. That's a sad story. I mean, it's a sad story of a man who had everything, it seemed like, but yet realized he lacked one thing. And the one thing that he lacked, he was given the answer to. And yet when he got the answer, he realized it was more than he was willing to do. I mean... He wanted to inherit eternal life, but was he willing to do what was necessary to receive that? I mean, that's what it boils down to, guys. Every one of us, ladies, every one of us have been faced with the decision, what I do to inherit eternal life. And at some point, you heard a message about Christ, and that message had in it, you sell. You sell out. You sell out heart, soul, mind, strength to him. You make him not just a savior that you can put in your pocket and walk around and pull out when you want to. See, here's the deal. Here's the deal, okay? 
So this is my thoughts on this. A lot of people come to Jesus with a let's make a deal mentality. Right? You know, we there's not three doors to choose from, guys. There's not three doors. There's, there's, there's just, it's just not out there. There's one door. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the door. He declares that. He, there's not three. Because we, we have people every day that want to tell God what they will and won't do for them. They end up being sad because it doesn't work that way. And they begin to realize that, that at some point, and yet they have, it, 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 here's the danger of this. Here's the danger of this. We are such, we are, we, humanity, humans are made up of, in such a way that once we make a statement, we hate to own up to the error in the statement. We don't want to say I was wrong. And because of that, we go for a while in this let's make a deal mentality, and then we finally get grabbed by God, and he says, no, 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 no. There's one thing you like, come follow me. And to do that, you got to sell out. you got to sell out. I've got to be Lord of everything. And boy, that's hard. Because then all of a sudden we're in this position where we're having to Make restitution. Correct wrongs. In my discipleship, the thing that struck me and changed me immediately upon coming to Christ was the fact that the first thing I had to do is go make right the things I'd wronged. My disciples told me, you go make right the things that are wrong." The things that you have done, if you've stolen something, you need to own it and you need to go back and make restitution for it. If you've lied about something, you need to own up to it. Ooh, buddy. That's hard. I mean, but that's that's selling out, y'all. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about getting rid of all the junk. We're talking about overcoming all of the things that, you know, the you, we just think we just think political parties try to dig up dirt on candidates and people, right? The devil's got all the dirt. The, the devil's got all the dirt on you. He's the one led you into that. He's the one that put sin in your heart as a child. He's the one who causes us to do that. And so, what does he do? As soon as we feel like God's calling us to do something, he pulls that out and puts it to our head and says, I'm going to tell them about this. <laughs> Who needs YouTube or, or social media? He's had it a lot longer than, than anybody else, and he can do it. He, he wants to do that. So that's we're talking about something here. Let me get to my message. I've left my message. But I got 45 minutes, so I got 20 left. So <laughs> I got a thumbs up back there. So what are some things that keep us from having faith to follow? That's what I want to talk about. And I'm going to pick one this morning. I'm going to talk about one this morning. I call them faith killers. There's faith killers in our life. There's things that we 
have that's set up in us that kill our faith to follow Jesus. And so these things can't be allowed to dictate our decision to follow God, but yet they, we find our, we wrestle with them all the time. So the first pillar is this. Pillar number one is doubt. I want to talk about doubt for just a second. The rich young ruler, I believe, had this killer in his heart that kept him from following God. Um, you see it sort of rise its ugly head when he chose not to do what Jesus was calling on him to do. You see, you can see it, and, and you can imagine, just, just, just close your eyes for a second, imagine the whole setting, imagine him coming up, imagine him asking, teacher, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's evident looking at him, your eyes are closed, you're looking at it from, the, from, from, from just right there around it. You see that he's not dressed in a way that would look like he's poverty. He's got wealth. He's, he, it's evident of who he is. People knew him because of what he had. He's this rich young ruler. He's on his knees before Jesus asking this question. Jesus gives him the six, um, the big six commandments. And in those commandments, he comes out and says, I've done those since my youth. And then Jesus says this to him. There's still one thing that you lack and the one thing wasn't the selling out the one thing was come follow me but in order to come follow he had to sell out can you see his face can you see his expression Imagine the look on his face when Jesus called on him to sell everything to give it to the poor and follow him. So Matthew 6 is where we're going to go now, just real quick. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to go to verse 30. And in verse 30 of Matthew 6, we find something very interesting. It gives us a good way to define doubt and a prescription for getting, out, getting it out, rooting it up from our heart and mind. Because there's things, these killers root themselves in us. They just, they grow in us. Doubt will grow in you, I believe. And so this gives us a good way to root it out, okay, and get it out of our mind, our heart, to be able to follow God. So watch this, Matthew 6, 30 through 34. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he'll give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Somebody say amen. Today's trouble is enough for today. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Debbie, listen to that. No, I'm just kidding. So what's the key phrase in that whole passage, in those four verses? Don't worry. Uh, uh, your heavenly Father knows your needs. Uh, seek the kingdom above all else. Um, don't, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't, uh, 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 today's trouble is enough. Are those the phrases? I, don't, I personally don't think so. These are, they're powerful, but, but it's the first four words of the passage. So it's in the first four words. If. God cares. If he cares. This is the statement you've got to settle today. 
This is a statement I have to settle every day. This is a statement we have to settle moments, days, minutes, hours. I have to settle this if God cares. Does he or doesn't he? I mean, I've got to decide. I've got to come to terms with that. The scripture said, doubt dominates the minds of those who don't believe. Now, what does that mean to us? Your faith to follow must be centered on God's care for you. You've got to put your confidence in the care of God. You've got to believe that he cares for you. You'll never be forsaken. You'll never be forgotten. You'll never be alone. You'll never be in want. You've got to believe that. Don't, don't worry about the things God has promised to take care of. Amen? You've got to not worry about the things he's promised. What has he promised to take care of? Well, we can, we'll go into that, but, but listen to me. When we look at this, Jesus said these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. What things? Food, water, clothing, the necessities. I mean, paying the bills, making sure our kids got clothes to start the school year, making sure that making sure we got gas in the car. I mean, let's you know. I mean, let's talk. There's so many little things that we're that this is expressing to us. This is telling us something right here. Things that we worry about. Uh, it's not wrong, hear me, it's not wrong to think about what to eat or drink or wear. I'm glad you thought about what you put on before you came to church today. You could have shown up like Isaiah and then we'd have had trouble. Amen. I'm glad you took time to think, I should put some clothes on today. I, some of you spent a little more time thinking about that. Does this go with this? And some of you answer that and shouldn't have because it's, I'm telling you, husbands, you don't have a clue what goes with what. Just nod your head. Oh, yeah. So anyway. It's not wrong to think about what you eat. Some of y'all, I joke, y'all, one of the first messages I preach here, y'all think about food right now. I know. Y'all are so worried about that 12 o'clock back there. The batter said, gets out at 12, we will never get a seat. And you settle that in your mind. Just settle that. Accept that. It's not wrong to think about what you eat or drink or wear. Those are not wrong thoughts. Wrong thoughts. So here's what wrong thoughts are. Wrong thoughts are when we take on those thoughts and doubt God cares about them. It's when we take ownership of them. And, and don't consider God in them. Or think because they're not working the way we think they should work, then God doesn't care. That he's forgot them. That where did he go? What's he doing today? Mark 4, 19 says, all too quickly, the message, the message is crowded out by the words of this life. Jesus is talking about the sower and the seed here, and he's talking about the message that's delivered. And that message is that God cares. Here's the message. God cares. That's the message. He cares. And when, we, when the message gets crowded out, here's what we're talking about. Wrong thoughts crowd out the knowledge that God cares. Wrong thoughts crowd it out. Force it out. Cover it up. Destroy it. In this passage, Jesus makes us aware that the Father is aware. And if God cares, hear this. Jesus wasn't asking a question. It sounds as if he is, but he's not asking a question. He's making a statement because what does the sentence end with? He will certainly care for you. 
If God cares for the wildflowers that grow and then the next day they're cut down and thrown into the fire, he will certainly care for you. We have to tell doubt where to go. We have to put doubt under our feet. We have to determine and say, God cares. I don't care what my circumstances look like. God's far more aware that we, than we realize. He knows your name. He knows your every thought. He sees every tear that falls. He knows the number of hairs on your head. David made this statement. You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You know. Now, here's how much God knows. If you're wondering how much God knows and how much he cares, David said, you know my thoughts before I think them. It's so interesting how that in times of testing, we can think God forgot it. God said in Isaiah 49, verse 15, Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? Never, never, it says, exclamation point, never, never. But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. Here's the thing. The one thing that we think should be impossible, God uses to say to us, I will not forget you. Because I can't imagine a mother forgetting the child that they've carried nine months and given birth to. But it happens. But God says, as difficult as it is to imagine that, and as impossible as that seems, I want to use that to say to you, I'm glad you feel that way because I care more than that. Settle this in your mind today. God cares. God cares about you. He cares about your circumstances. He cares about every part of your life. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is, faith is, the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Faith is, faith is, the confidence that what we actually hope for, what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Faith is, in this message for you this morning, faith is the confidence that God cares. Faith is the confidence that you can have this morning that God cares and becomes the basis for, by which you follow. I choose Christ because I know he cares. I have faith that he cares. Faith gives me confidence that God is concerned about me. Faith is the prescription for doubt. Faith is the prescription for doubt. How do I deal with doubt? Believe. How do I deal with that? Believe. Believe. You say, well, I don't, I'm just not sure. That's doubt. Tell it, get out. Counter it with belief. I know in whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he's able to commit, 
to keep what I've committed to him against that day. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. I think the greatest weakness, okay, so closing. I think the greatest weakness the rich young ruler had was this. His doubt that he could do without. I think our greatest weakness is the same. Our doubt that we could actually do without what we think is the plan for us. Sell out. Sell that thought out. Sell it. Say, you know what? That's, I'm not worried about that thought. I want your thoughts, Lord. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I want your thoughts, Lord. I want to get rid of those thoughts. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to accomplish what you want to accomplish. I want, I want, to, I want to represent you. He doubted he could live, exist, make it if he sold all he had. We'll talk about that some tonight. His wrong thoughts crowded out Christ's words to him. What thoughts are crowding out the words of Christ to you? I mean, we can say it real simple. Have you put your trust in the Lord? Do you believe and have you practiced a lifestyle that says to everyone that sees it, you know what? It's evident you believe God cares about you. Are we living out our faith to follow? Are we living out our trust? Is it, is it visible at all? Do you... Do, <laughs> So, so I'm going to close by just saying, hey, look, if there's any doubt in you this morning, the answer is, is to just surrender that. If you don't know Christ personally, the answer is to just sell out today. Sell out to Jesus. Sell out. Don't, don't hold anything back. Well, and, and yes, I'm using an example of a guy who was told to sell everything that he had Give it to the poor and go follow. Listen, if you sell out, you will become an asset to the kingdom and the poor will benefit, the rich will benefit, everybody will benefit because of what you represent. That's what we're talking about. And hey, he may call you the mission field and then you're going to have to sell out. Really? For real? Straight up? Get rid of all of it. Amen? <laughs> Man, that's a journey. We could get a testimony on that. Uh Sell out. I had plans, dude. I had plans. I was, I, I was, I got, I was headed straight for for um, the academy. I was going to become a highway patroller. It was my dream. Going to be a highway patrol for Mississippi. It'd be a state trooper in Alabama, of course. But I just, I already had an inroad. I, I was working out four days a week with a guy who was pretty high up in the long in in the highway patrol mississippi highway patrol he was already put my name out there. i mean i was in then jesus showed up <laughs> i mean and he showed up and then i mean you know I, I i had to sell out i did i had to sell out i was actually in at work in the oil fields in south louisiana and would go on seven on seven off and i remember coming home 
after I'd gotten saved and going to church, and it was within that second or third week after coming home that I, I had to go to this guy. And I had to tell him, look, plans have changed. He said, what do you mean? I said, I'm not headed into the highway patrol now. I believe God's calling me into ministry. And he was like, ministry? <laughs> Why did he do that? He knew me. <laughs> he knew me. I said, yeah, I got saved three weeks ago. He's a good guy. Tears running down his face. And he said, I remember when I got called into ministry and I didn't go. He said, I, I don't have any regrets in my life except one thing. I wonder what the Lord would have done. And so all I say to you today is there's a future laying out there that belongs to him. If you'll let him, if you'll sell out to him, there is no words to describe the journey. Try it with me. There's no words to describe the journey. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to us. You have shown your love for us by sending Jesus, your son, to die for us, to become a substitute for us, to pay the penalty for us. All we have to do is believe, put our faith in and follow this plan that you've laid out for us. And it begins with surrender to Christ. It begins with accepting him as our Savior because we are just like the rich young ruler. This stuff in us this stuff in us won't get us to heaven. No possession on earth will purchase us eternal life. We got to have something to happen to get us, to bridge us there. And Jesus came. Jesus came and became that bridge, our substitute. He bore our sorrows, our sickness. The punishment for our sin was placed upon him. By his stripes, we were healed. Lord, it so much happened at the cross and leading up to it. And then the thing, three days later, he rose from the grave and met the disciples and told them, hey, I'm alive, just like I said I would be, and you can experience that resurrection too. But he wasn't just talking about a resurrection after death. He's talking about a resurrection now for some of you. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior, you can go from dead like Lazarus was to life. He offers you spiritual life this morning. And, and not just spiritual life, a new life, a new life. You'll be a new creature in Christ Jesus. All the old things, they go under the blood. And behold, everything from the moment you decide to sell out to Jesus, everything becomes new. How you see it, how you hear it, how you taste it, how you feel it, who you are becomes new. So if you're here this morning, you need that. Man, I'm asking today. I know that you all know each other. 
But if you happen to be one of those who lets the wrong thoughts get in, doubt's taken over, you feel God has forgotten you, and you're in a place where you're half-hearted serving God. You started it out, but it's getting more and more difficult to make a deal. Let's sell out this morning. If you need to sell out, put your hand up in the air right now. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Father, you see every hand that was raised. God, I pray for them right now that they take the step. Lord, we come and go and sadness fills our heart when we don't respond to you. I think the other part of the rich young ruler was he heard the genuine love in the voice of Christ. He heard it. He heard it. He knew Jesus loved him. And he walked away sad because he had never heard that kind of love from him. For every person that raised their hand, they've heard the voice of the one who loves them beyond imagination with genuine love. And they've said by raising their hand, I'm selling out. Lord, I'm selling out today to your plan, to your way. I sell out to your thoughts. We cast doubt to the ground. We cast it into darkness. We refuse to let doubt fill our minds anymore to make us try to think that God doesn't care. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we let faith rise. In the name of Jesus, stand with me in this place. Blessed be your name. Listen, if you're here this morning, you need prayer. You need healing. You need help. You need anything. I just want to ask you to come to the front of the altar right here. We'll make a line. We're going to pray for you. Anyone that needs prayer, come right here. Hallelujah. Anyone else?
Can we give the team a hand for all they do for our family? And will y'all forgive me for not letting them sing more? Because I should have had y'all singing a while ago. I should have been. I'm sorry. I'm just, I just get carried away and forget that there's good music up here. God is good. Amen? Amen. So I owe a lot tonight because I went 15 minutes over. But <laughs> hey, I want you to go out of this place with the radiance of the presence of Christ on you. I speak that.